podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Miller, lovely cushion header. But you're, oh, you're beautiful! What a head, son! What a head! The time to Luis Garcia. Tries his mark. Hello again, we are back. Yes, it's me, Jay, leading the host of the Champions League podcast. We are back, three points in the bag, a 1-0 victory, a clean sheet, something that we've not been used to for a while. And we are going to discuss our previous game against Ajax and upcoming game against FC Michelin of Denmark. I haven't butchered the name as far as I know anyway. Um, joining me this week, I've got Carl Wilkinson, host of the Face-Off pod and the One-Up pod. Carl, how are you today? Not too bad, Jay, thanks. How about yourself? Yeah, nice early finish from work. The weekend's on our doorstep as we record. It's Friday night, so hopefully a nice weekend of football. No, they will not be paying 15 quid to watch Liverpool. I'll be getting that through other actions, we could say. Uh, how about yourself? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a bank holiday weekend uh, here this weekend. Obviously, it's not the same as the usual bank holiday, given that we're actually in lockdown over here at the moment. So, um, bit of a pain there. But it's nice just to have the extra day off work, you know, get to watch a bit more football and hopefully the Reds uh, kick it off tomorrow evening with a, a win. So, does your bank holiday fall on the Monday as it would normally anywhere else, really? Yeah. So it'd be uh, it's always the the Monday before uh, Halloween because it's midterm for the the kid the school kids next week. So it starts off. Ah well, holiday. at least you can fit in a couple of games of football. Or Monday night football, oh, tantalising affairs: Brighton versus West Brom and Burnley versus Spurs. Well, I mean, well, I mean, looking at Spurs last game, I went three all thriller. So hopefully they something similar. Mind you, when Burnley are involved, you don't really think of three all thrillers. <laughs> I'll hold my breath. Uh, yeah, Halloween thriller, but not the ones that you expected. Burnley and Brighton and West Brom, anyway. So at least you've got something to look forward to on Monday. I'll be in work Monday night, so I ain't gonna miss much there. But what he has to talk about Champions League, which is obviously back as well next week. Um, the games are coming thick and fast, so we've we'll we'll start with talking about our previous game on uh, Wednesday night and a one nil victory for, against us against Ajax. Now, first of all, your thoughts and reaction on on the results and maybe the performance second. So it wasn't the prettiest of performances. Let's be honest. I mean, it was uh, disjointed at times, but. Given the lineup, I think when uh, the lineup would have raised a few eyebrows. Now, I suppose it was to be expected given the injuries. You know, Van Dijk was out, uh, Keita and Ox are still missing, Henderson obviously wasn't quite fit to start, uh, Thiago's out, Matip had a knock, Allison is still out. Like, that, that's a lot of players missing. So, I mean, we, we Klopp had to do what he had to do, and I don't think he would have chosen to have Milner and Jones. No, slide on those players, but I don't think he would have expected to be starting those two. Two players together um in the midfield so given given the lineup you know 
it's not like we were second best. Like I think we probably just about edged it, um, in in terms of the play slightly. Um, and you know we were away to Ajax, so to come away given the team, and where we're going, it it was a good result, one nil. But you know there was definitely some some things that left much to be desired, especially the defence at times. We we rode our luck a little bit. I mean, obviously Fabinho cleared off the line, being a prime example of that. Yeah, we, as you say, first of the lineup. We, I don't think anyone would have predicted that midfield three. I think we all expect changes given our fixture pile up over the next few weeks. But I don't think anyone would have put that midfield three down on paper. I. I had a little inkling that Jones might get a go, but I thought Henderson would have started um, and maybe got a half or 60 minutes. But as it was, he got the second half. Um, I thought we we left ourselves a little bit too exposed with the changes. Um, Ginny was running around trying to put out fires. Milner was, you know, Milner, and he's not a central midfielder. And even if he does show up there, it's just a body that doesn't really move much. Um and Jones, to me, looked a little bit lost in that position. Um, it was quite a lot to ask. And I think, not that he was through under the bus, but he, he got a handle on the game, I think, in the, in the last 20 minutes of the first half when he looked like he was coming into his own. And for me, personally, if the change was to be made, it would have been Milner for Henderson. But as it is, experience speaks and Klopp does like his lieutenants on the pitch. So it was Jones that got the hook but. The experience will do him no harm. He's he's got plenty of years and games ahead of him, so he'll be fine. Um, we'll start off with with the defense then in that game and and the goalkeeper. Um, a clean sheet. Now you've not heard that word for a while with us, um, but I think all the plaudits and rightly so have been with birthday boy Fabinho. And how do you think he got on at centre half? And do you think it's it's now a game of who partners Fabinho at the back or are we going to see him resort back to midfield more often? Hopefully we'll have Matip and Gomez in there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's difficult. Um, I mean, I was on AI Plus earlier and Guy asked me this, a similar question. You know, is it Fabinho the main man now and then Matip and Gomez to be used in, in rotation? Um, I, I think definitely Matip has to be rotated because, you know, I, I have little faith in him staying fit, which is unfortunate because I do rate him as a player, but just given his history. But I think you need to give him every chance of being available as much as possible. So I think you can play him twice a week. You know, you have to once a week. So in that way, I don't see Matip being the constant there. So it's really a question of whether Fabinho or Gomez is the the, the stalwart. Um, I'd probably lean towards it being Gomez because I think you don't want to miss out on having Fabinho in the midfield, particularly in, you know, kind of the bigger games because he can be the difference in the centre of the park. Um, so I'd probably expect maybe Gomez to play quite regularly and Fabinho and, and Matip to, to rotate the other role between them. But that said, obviously, Fabinho was probably the, the key man during midweek. He made the, the clearance off the line. He made a, a couple of other important challenges. He was really strong in the air, which was good to see because obviously I think he kind of let himself down a little bit for Everton's opening goal um, last weekend when it came to, to defending in the air. Um, but Joe Gomez did reasonably well um, individually as well, particularly in the second half. I thought he was he was quite strong. Um, 
so that's good to see for him because obviously he's had his his struggles with form. Like I just as Klopp pointed out, they haven't played together as a partnership, so it's it's going to take time, and hopefully that that comes. Yeah, I mean, for anyone who did see Klopp's interview uh, press conference today, he did speak on a few things, and if he didn't, then AI Pro Plus with Carl and Guy is probably the pod you want to listen to and catch up on what he did speak about. It's a little cheeky plug for you two lads there, so. Yeah, I I think I'd agree with Gomez is probably head of the queue and then it it's probably level pegging between Fabinho and Massive for minutes. Not that we're going on quality because I think overall Fabinho is probably all round the best of the three in terms of player, but we have got to try and get him back in midfield for certain games, i.e. we've got Man City coming up, I think, either just after or just before this next international break. I'm not sure because the fixtures are that congested. Um and we personally, I'd like to see Fabinho in midfield and doing his, his anchor and we're all there, but that's, that's in games to come. So just overall, as we say, it wasn't the, wasn't the game that was a neutral was going to write home about and say it was a thriller. Not that we all probably expected Liverpool versus Ajax, both attacking teams. And we, we all probably thought there'd be goals in the game as it was. There was one, um, from a moment of magic, I'd say from Mane, um, and then second half, we've seen the front three all get taken off at once. Now, first of all, have we ever seen that before under Klopp? I don't think we have, but it was always nice to see three quality players coming on and you didn't actually fear that there'd be a drop-off. And after about five or ten minutes, once they all bedded into the game, I don't think there was. So how do you think we'll maybe line up over the next few weeks? Do you think you'll see them front three integrated in different roles? Do you think they'll come in and play parts with the nominal main front three? Or do you think we'll maybe go as strong as we could over the weekend against Sheffield United and those lads will maybe get the, the start against Midtjylland? I think I think they'll definitely start against Mitchelland and I think that'll be good to see because, as you said, I think there's no doubt in the quality of those three players in, in Jota, Shakiri and Minamino, but, you know, maybe it's a lack of understanding with each other and with the players around them, so they, they just simply need to play more. So that is a good opportunity to give them more time and give the other three lads a, a well-needed rest. Um, as for the weekend, obviously there's some calls at the moment. People want Firmino maybe to be rested and, and Jota or Minamino to get the nod. And possibly that could happen because it is something Klopp's going to have to start doing with um, kind of the congestion of the fixtures. Because it's, you know, we have two games a week, it seems, every week for, for some time. So he's going to have to give them more than just kind of resting them the odd game at a, against a perceived weaker opponent in 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 cup competitions so yes he, he has to do something there so maybe this is the first opportunity you could maybe see one of them sit out for for one of the three um i suppose we'll have to see tomorrow evening but definitely i think in midweek we will see those three lads and, and why shouldn't we i mean it's probably the best backup front line we've had in in a long time so it's a, I mean, as I said to Guy earlier, it's a blessing in disguise for us, as much as it's unfortunate for him, Shakiri, because I'm sure he would have preferred to go out and, and play regularly. But for us, it's it's good that his move fell through because now we have that, you know, literally two for each of the, the three attacking positions that, that we can rely on. Oh, don't forget Debo. 
Yeah, I'm sure he'll chip in with his <laughs> his little cameos here and there and his goals out of out of nothing. I mean, his his, his goal to to minute ratio is still off the charts, but um, I think stylistically he's not not ideal for us. Yeah, I think Klopp missed his trick of playing him against Everton last week, didn't he? And that's usually the game he shows up in and then just lives off that for the whole season. But he's missed out on that one this year. So if he is going to feature somewhere, Divock, you've got to pull your finger out your backside and do it somewhere else, mate. Um, so, yeah, just just rounding up on the IX game, as you say, um, there was a few talking points, but the main ones were obviously the clean sheets, the changes. Um but the other game in the group did feature our upcoming opponents on Tuesday, which was FC Mitchelland, and they were on the back end of a Tonkin at home, 4-0 to Atalanta. So, from the outside looking in, are these now the whipping boys in the group? I think you have to see it that way. I mean, I think we knew that when the, the, the draw was made. Um, they, they're clearly they're the team that are coming from, a, you know, kind of a... a Lesser league. league, yeah. I mean, not that the, the Dutch league is the strongest league, but there's some, there's a handful of the of good sides in the Dutch league. Whereas in these leagues, there's there's no good sides as as you would put it. Um, so they're definitely the weakest, but at the same time, you know, we 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 know all too well when we played a Red Star Belgrade a few seasons ago and underestimated them and and lost two 0 So. You know, we you you can't. There's no room for complacency in this this tournament. These sides, they have nothing to lose and everything to gain. They give their all every game. They're gonna run their socks off. They're gonna, you know, like against Atlanta, they, you know, it's not like they didn't have any of the ball and didn't have any chances. They they, they there wasn't much in the possession and they they had I think nine ten chances something like that like so they had a go they were outclassed but they had a go and they're going to give it that effort so we can't afford to just expect to show up and win the game like whatever lineup Klopp puts out those players have to to put it in for 90 minutes and and make sure they show their superior quality not just expect the quality to show itself yeah I should say against Atalanta they did Give themselves a little bit of credit, but if you just look at the stats on a whole, like the possession was pretty much 50-50. As you say, they had nine attempts, but only three of them were on target compared to Atalanta's 11. Um, so I think the quality in, in different shows there. But we'll we'll just get into FC Mitchelland, and I've just had to do a little bit of research myself on who they are, where they come from, what they do. Um Formed in 2000, which to me was a surprise because I don't know Danish football, I don't confess to, but they're a recent club in terms of world football terms um, and under the same ownership as Brentford. So they have a, a very similar sort of research and transfer model, go off scientific and stats. Um, so you'd imagine they probably have got a little core setup of a, of a good base there and probably within Denmark they've they're an outsider of what would be the original clubs. They're not the first team that you spring to mind when you think of Danish football. It's probably Bromby or FC Copenhagen. So, um, what do you reckon first of all on that? Like the 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 new exciting team, and I think we we spoke pre-pod like considering them were like RB Leipzig, um, and they've got a little bit of European pedigree. They have been in Europe the last nine seasons, and they've had a few forties, but this is the first time they've made the Champions League. So just what do you reckon the the actual setup and like how how do you think 
these clubs are going to develop over time. We'll see more of these clubs popping up. Yeah, I mean, it's always intriguing when you, you come across a, a club like Micheland or, as you said, RB Leipzig, you know, because we're so used to our, our clubs being these historic entities that have been around for over 100 years and, you know, c- competed kind of, have been competing even before, long before the war, you know, they they were involved in the, the early European championships and and the like. So it's interesting when you, you you come across a club that breaks that mold and that are, are relatively new and yet, you know, kind of establish themselves as a, a notable entity in Europe as Michelin have done because, you know, it's not the first time obviously that they, they've played against um, English opposition. They've played Man City in recent years. They've also played against Rangers. They've played some Irish clubs. Um, so, you know, pe- people around these parts would be well aware of them like they're they're a name that's you know you're you're aware of and that's a testament that they've managed to become that in in such a short period of time and i'm sure you know i don't know the ins and outs of their finances but i'm sure like relative to other teams in in denmark they've had that injection of of cash probably which has helped them get where they are but nonetheless you know money's not enough you need to have good organization you need to have planning in there and obviously they have the right kind of people at the top as you point out the same uh ownership as as brentford who kind of are our club on the rise in in england as well so people be well familiar with their success if in recent years, uh, even if they're not such with Michelin. So it, it is impressive to, to see it. And uh, I'm sure they'll just go, they'll continue to go from strength to strength in the years to come. I mean, they're, they're young as far as football clubs go. And they're not only just young as football clubs, they're young in terms of the the, the squad, really. They've, they've only got four players over the age of 25, um, two of them being goalkeepers. So, You'd imagine this from again from the outside looking in. Not too much information on these lads. That they are a team that recruits young players with the hope that they can develop them and sell them on and make a profit and then fund the money back into the club and and keep developing it a bit more, bit much like Ajax, but on obviously on a much smaller scale. But looking at their record just to get into the Champions League this season, they they played Ludogorets. They beat them one 0 in a one-off game. Then they beat Young Boys 3-0 in a one-off game. Now, we all know we faced Young Boys a couple of times in recent times of European competition. There, no pushovers, really. Then they beat Slavia Prague 4-1 in aggregate, but it was a 4-1 victory in the first leg. And then they held them to a 0-0 draw to qualify. And again, another household European name who've been across the European competition scenes for many a year. So they've obviously got something about them to, to get into this level of the Champions League. And... Just recent history, they, they played Rangers last year, they've done them over two legs, but as you say, they faced Man City, they faced Derry and a, a couple of other teams. Um, but this season, just to get into the Champions League alone, young boys in Slavia Prague would suggest that they've got something about them. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the, the clubs you named there, you know, they're no strangers to the group stages themselves. I mean, we had Ludogratz in our group not so long ago. So um, it is impressive that they've seen themselves past those teams to, to qualify for this stage. And as I spoke to earlier, you know, no no team in this this competition is is weak relatively. You know what I mean? There There is a there is 
talent there. There's a reason they've gotten here and they're going to give it their all at the, the top level. So, I mean, and as you said, with, with the mid, such a young team, I mean, somewhat comparable, obviously, to um, Salzburg, who we played last season. Now, obviously, Salzburg have a, have more quality. There's no doubt in that. But, I mean, the, what impressed me the most with Salzburg was how hungry they were and how much they were willing to just give it their all and, and have a go. They didn't care that we were Liverpool. You know, they were going to give it their best. And I'm sur- sure Mitchelland will, will do the exact same. Like, And we have to be wary of a team that are, are young and hungry. I mean, because they can be a dangerous team. Yeah, I've been probably Salzburg is a is a fair comparison to to where we are and, and who we're going to face in the in the Champions League in in Michelin. So, just a little bit of background info on our opponents on Tuesday night. Um, at the moment, they're, they're in the middle of a of a Danish league. They're three wins from five so far in the league, which leaves them sat fifth in the table. But this weekend, they do face tabletop and Bromby, who's probably the name we are most familiar with due to the the links with Daniel Agger. Um, but they, they seem to have an issue with goals. Now, looking at, at the record, they, they've got nine this season in the Danish league, and you can see the five, so they're, they're not exactly setting the world alight in, in what they're doing. So, yeah, it probably leaves them a little bit undercutted to what they're, they're going to come into with in terms of attack and prowess, but they won the league last year, so they've got to be a, at least reckoned with anyway with some force of force. Yeah, certainly. I mean, obviously, I think that that uh, fixture you pointed out is is um, important because obviously they they will have put their their best side out against Atlanta because they want to give the Champions League. They're all they're going to have to put their best side out in that game, and then that same side is going to be recycled against Liverpool. So that's three games in the space of a few days. Um, whereas we've gotten to rotate somewhat. I know obviously we have injuries, but that that might give us a bit of an edge in in terms of fresh legs. Um, but they, you know, obviously they are. There is a level of competition in their league. You know, sometimes you have one one team in these leagues that runs away with it, and therefore they lack that competition on the the domestic stage, which makes it harder for them when it comes to the to the European stage. But they have the benefit of having Bromby and. Usually Copenhagen, but they've struggled, I think, in in the yeah, last yeah. couple of years. Um, so they have they have that um there to to kind of push them. They have sides domestically pushing them, which is going to help you on the the European stage, which is um a benefit to them. Yeah, they played Bromby this weekend, as we've said. It's six o'clock kickoff Saturday night, and we kick off at eight o'clock Saturday night. So it's neither here or there in terms of both teams getting a recovery period, but. Yeah, they they are probably going to go with their strongest lineup, as you said. It's a it's a team who were top of the league in Bromby, so they have got to pretty much go for it. I, I imagine their fan base would would argue that that's the more important fixture for them in in come times rather than the Liverpool one. I think the Liverpool one would be seen as as an experience and a, and a game to enjoy. Um, where Bromby and the, the, it's the age old saying, the league is your bread and butter, and I think we can probably expect that from Liverpool as well this weekend, where You'll probably see a much stronger lineup in the Sheffield United game to the to the Michelin game. Um, so just getting into to players that currently play for Michelin, and I think the one name that struck me on the squad list that I've actually I confess to no one and heard of is Pione Sisto. Um, are you familiar with this lad? 
I'm aware of him, but um, yeah. So I'll fill in the blanks for you. Basically, he started off at FC Midtjylland, um, and then he took a move to the La Liga to Celta Vigo, uh, which is probably where you may have heard of him. Um, He is also a Danish international player, so he's recently returned to Midtjylland after I think it was a four-year spell in um, La Liga, which didn't exactly go overly to plan for him, but He's he's done a decent service for himself, but he's came back. He's a left winger, um, 25 years of age. So he's sort of gone away at a young age and came back and is now trying his hand back at Mitchelland, where he made his, his name anyway. Um, so five appearances this year, two goals. That's couldn't join top scorer in the Danish league for them. As I say, they don't score many goals. Um, would you say he... It'd be the one that you you've heard of, and that might be it for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not aware of um, any names beyond him, and obviously, you know, given that he he got that move to La Liga, even if, even if it didn't necessarily uh, work out for him, obviously Celta have enjoyed um, kind of success in recent years. So the fact that that uh, he he made a decent amount of appearances for them. Um, shows that he there's certainly quality there. So I'd imagine he he is certainly the the danger man as far as uh, their lineup goes. Yeah, well, just a quick plug for anyone who is on AI Pro or if not, then get involved. Basically, the scouting podcast by Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett has this week previewed Sheffield United and FC Michelin, given a short time window between these games, and they did have a Danish guest on, and he. Obviously, touched a little bit on Sisto, and he picked out two other players. Now, one of them players being Andres Dreher, if I've not butchered this lad's name. He was a player who was recently at Brighton in the Premier League, but didn't really get a look in. Um, he said he's probably one that we could keep an eye on. And then a midfielder called Evander, um, who's got 9 in 33 last season. He's He said he's probably the most exciting talent that they've got on there squad list. Uh, Dreyer, for what it's worth, has got four goals in all competitions this season. So, I think they've got players with ability and if if, the, if they're the names that the guest on the Scouser podcast has pissed out, then I suppose they're the ones we're going to have to keep an eye on next season. Uh, next week, and Dreyer, for what it's worth, is a right winger and sisters being a left, a vander, a centre midfielder who can break the lines and push on. So, they do play a four-two-three-one. You'd maybe say those would be the three behind the one up top. Yeah, I mean, if if the lads on scouted picked out these lads, they're they're certainly worth um, having a look at because they, you know, I I don't know how Dave watches as much football as he does. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know do if I. he's cloned himself and just all the clones watch the matches and compare notes or something like that because it's crazy the amount he covers in a week, but. He'll he'll spot a talent if there's one to be spotted. So if he's pointed out these lads, they're they're certainly ones that we'll have to to watch and that maybe our our players will have to be aware of as well. Yeah, I mean, as I say, they they lined up with a four two three one. That's how they lined up in the in the most recent game against Atalanta. Um, Dreyer on the right. Um, Sisto didn't play left. He played behind the striker who is a lad called uh, Sonny Cabba who has only got two goals this season for them. So, as I say, they're not overly um, progressive in terms of goals. And then 
I'd say the two in in midfield sort of do the anchoring role as many in a four two three one do. And there's been calls for us to go to a four two three one. Now we have got the squad and we have got the players and the ability to do that. Um, but four three three is how we normally line up. Now if we go with a four three three, then it would be a job maybe on our midfield, and it would be a, a test for our defence if we do maybe make a few changes if they are going to come and maybe have a go because as you say, they've got nothing to lose. Yeah, certainly. I mean, as they're going to play the way they play, that's how these teams are going to approach. They're going to play their their game and, and play to their strengths. And if they get battered, so be it. But at least they'll, they'll know they, they gave it their all. So, I mean, it could be a chance for us, as you suggested, to, to maybe experiment with the, the 4 2 3 one because we do have a, a few players now assuming that Thiago's back and that, that that can play in the double pivot. And then obviously we could play either um, Minamino or, or maybe even Jones would be suited to, to playing in the, the centre behind the, the striker. So um, it is certainly an option. And I mean, if you're going to experiment, this is the game to do it. Especially in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, we've got three points on the board, which is always a good start. And, I think if myself, I would have taken a draw away at Ajax, given our injury uh, problems going into it, and especially seeing the lineup. I was thinking if we just get out of there with a draw and we build from there, we've got five games then to sort our season out in the Champions League. But this could be a case that we could easily go out there, put a marker down, and if we get two wins from two, we would either have a three-point gap or more on Atalanta or Ajax, or we'd have a six-point gap on Ajax and Michelin if Atalanta beat Ajax at home, which we probably would all expect, um, given the results of, of midweek and what we've seen from Ajax is not the Ajax of old. So it's easily putting ourselves down and putting a case down where we could eventually wrap up the group in, in four or five games and leave ourselves with a free game at the end, which I think if you'd ask Klopp, he'd take that right now, and I'm sure all the fans would as well. We've not really had a smooth passage through the Champions League groups for a few years, have we? No, we always do it the hard way. Doesn't matter how easy the group is for us, you know, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna scrape our way through. I mean it, it is a good getting that as you pointed out, like I, I would have been the same, you know, when the draw was made I would have expected six points from Ajax, but when when it came to the game, given the injuries, I, I would have taken a point away. So to get to three points was all the better. And we're in a position now if we assuming we beat Michelin in midweek, then if we can get a, a point away to Atlanta we'd we could say we have a toe in the in the knockout stages at that point with seven points and two home games to come. So um hopefully we can we can manage that. But you know, as I've been saying all along, you can't take your, your eye off the ball. You we can't just expect to show up in midweek and get the, the three points because I always have to look back at that uh that um Red Star game because that was that showed you what complacency can do. Yeah, if anything, we haven't got Napoli in our group this year, which normally is our sticky points um, there in the, the Europa League this year, which was a bit of a surprise when I was having a look at the fixtures last night. So, <clears throat> given the fact that we've not played Sheffield United as the time we record, um, I think we, we had a little chat before the podcast started. We would probably expect that to be the game that Klopp goes stronger and then Michelin be the game that we could make a few changes. We've got the option and say the luxury probably in, in what we've got in our results to make these changes. So 
all things being aside, if we if we go our basic Sheffield United game is going to be our strongest eleven of those fit and available, and those fit and available then all carry on fitness into Tuesday. Um, how would you see us lining up if you start with the goalkeeper and the back line first? Then we'll have a little chat on that, and then we'll move through into the midfield and forwards. Yeah, so I mean, goalkeeper, assuming he's fit, um, you know, Allison, you'd expect to come in against Sheffield United and then stay in until um, maybe the, the FA Cup would be the next game for Adrian, hopefully, <laughs> after that. Um, the defence, I think, think there could be rotation with the, the full-backs. I mean, we, we talked, I think, pre-pod about maybe James Nilner uh, possibly could come in at left-back because uh, Simakas is still injured. Um, maybe Neko Williams could come in at right-back and it would be a good chance to, to rest the lads. Um, the centre-backs, I think, is difficult because it depends on Matip. Like, I think if Matip is fit this weekend, he'll play against Sheffield United. Therefore, he's unlikely to play against Mitchelland. But if he doesn't quite make the Sheffield United fan game, he could start against Mitchelland. So I think it's it's difficult there. I personally, I think if if we've got Allison fit, if we if we give him the the weekend, if he if he is fit to get that appearance, and then I wouldn't be averse. Not that I'd be happy and overly confident if we just put Adrian back in for the Champions League game just to give Allison the the recovery time of a full week. Um. Fully on board with the the rotation of fullback. I think we've it's been mentioned on many a pod that Trent doesn't look himself at the moment this season, but he's only a young lad. These things are to be expected, and I think that, that that's the only game that we can probably get Robbo a blow in. Um, given that Simicast is not fully fit yet, then we'll accept Jimmy Milner doing a the job there for sixty minutes. Not that it's the most glorious and attractive thing to see, but needs must. And I could happily see if. We go with the two lads who started midweek at the weekend, Fabinho and Gomez, and then give Matip that extra recovery time just to come in and slot in against Mitchelland. And maybe even we see Nat Phillips or even Reese Williams get a half each, or one of them gets a half, and then maybe Gomez or Fabinho comes on second half. Given the fact you are allowed five changes in the Champions League, we could give one of these young lads a run out and experience is experience. You're not going to get better without playing and yeah we we can go from there so if we go with what Klopp normally goes with as a 4-3-3 we have touched on the 4-2-3-1 but we'll go with what is the norm for us so if we go with how would you see our midfield three lining up and and the front three I think we've spoke that the front three could be the ones who all came off the bench um, against Ajax but I, I see a change where maybe Fabinho was left out of the weekend and he's brought in midweek. Um, so I think maybe we could see Minamino or Jota come into the, the lineup against Sheffield United. And then of the two that aren't going to start against Sheffield United, do the three subs, if that makes sense, being Shakiri, Jota, and Minamino, those two go with Firmino. So we have a full rotation of the front three. And then I guess midfield is just what's available in the lucky bag. Yeah, I mean, with the midfield, um, again, earlier on, um, it's funny to touch on the same topics in, in two podcasts, but on AI Plus, we talked about the, the midfield, and I predicted um, Henderson, Wijnaldum, 
and Keita for the midfield this weekend because I think even if Thiago's fit, I don't think we'll throw him straight back in coming off a, what was a, a nasty challenge. So I'd, I think maybe we could see Thiago in midfield if, in midweek if that's the case. Um, so I'd, I'd, with that three expected um, on the weekend, I'd say maybe in midweek we could see Thiago, um, Jones and possibly Keita again or potentially Ginny. Ginny is probably the most robust of the, yeah. of the three uh, given the the fact of games are coming thick and fast and then looking further ahead again I know it's a bit further down the line but West Ham next weekend you could you could give Ginny a rest then if he's going to play a lot of the games over the coming like 10 game period if you'd include last weekend into Ajax and these two so yeah, I, I'm fully on board with that. I think if if Thiago is is maybe eighty percent, then he, he goes on the bench for the weekend, and if if needs be, he comes on maybe just for twenty minutes just to get his his legs moving again and um, put him in midfield on Tuesday, a bit of experience and a game like that, you'd imagine we'll have plenty of the ball, and who knows what record he's going to break if he has that much of the ball on a Tuesday night at home in the Champions League. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if, if maybe he's in, in mind for, for West Ham, if even if you only give him an hour and then take him off and throw Henderson on or whatever whatever way Klopp chooses to rotate it, because you have that benefit of the, the five subs, as you pointed out. So I think it's it's really a balancing act for us at the, the minute because, you know, we have what West Ham on next weekend, then we have Atlanta and then we have City. Like it's the games and our big games are coming thick and hard. So I think especially given the injuries, Klopp just has to be smart with rotation. Like, and I think that's, I think that's how we'll try and balance the, the midfield in my expectation um, for these next two games. Yeah. Given, as you say, just foregoing what is going to come up, we do play West Ham next weekend, but we are, we are playing Tuesday night against Mitchell and then West Ham is a five thirty on the Saturday. So it is quite a decent gap in terms of days where, as we say, Klopp likes to get the lads in for the recovery on, on the Wednesday. Then it gives us Thursday, Friday to work on something for the West Ham game. But then we do go to Atalanta the week after on the Tuesday. So that's a short gap. So as you say, we are we are spinning many plates here. And then the Man City game, as of yet, isn't being decided because the powers that be in, in broadcasting are probably going to switch that one. So one would imagine that gets moved to the, to the Sunday um, Super Sunday fixtures. So again, Atalanta on the Tuesday to Man City on the Sunday will give us a a healthy period in terms of uh, recovery time and for what it's worth, Man City will play on the Wednesday night. So that might that might just be a, a small factor that that comes into our favour. But we are getting slightly ahead of ourselves there. Um, speaking of getting ahead of ourselves, we are looking at next week's Champions League games, and I've done this with Mark last week. Um, looked at the fixtures and picked out a couple for us to to have a little chat on, maybe give the listeners something to, to watch. Um, so Tuesday night before we do play, um, five to six, Shakhtar Donetsk against Inter Milan. Now, before this week, you probably would have said, hmm, it's just a, a European fixture, but Shakhtar went to Real Madrid and won 3-2. They were 3-0 up at half-time. Now, Shakhtar had been a, a team with European pedigree, but that opens your eyes and maybe thinks that's worth a watch. 
Yes, certainly. I mean, and, and let's not forget the, the travel out east um, is never a nice travel. So I'm sure that gives that's going to hold into my land back uh, somewhat as well. So, I mean, it, it could be um, a very tight game, that one. And um, Shakhtar will be full of confidence after the win over Real Madrid. Um, but at the same time, I mean, this is a, an Inter Milan side um, that's managed by one of the best managers around. So um, they they won't be easy either. So um, it's definitely one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and Madrid themselves go to Borussia Mönchengladbach, who, if, if anything, they're probably the most exciting team after Bayern Munich to watch in the Bundesliga this year. So that's a that's already a big game for them because... You know, losing at home to Shakhtar won't have done the fan base any favours and Gladbach drew with Inter Milan away. So that's already looking like a pretty tight group as it is. So even if you're not watching, if you are watching, sorry, Liverpool against Michelin, maybe keep an eye on what's going on in the Inter Milan bunch and Gladbach game. I think that won't be the other pick of the fixtures from Tuesday night. Um, going into Wednesday, and I think it's the game that everyone was looking forward to when the Champions League draw was made. There's no bones about it. It's Messi versus Ronaldo, it's Juventus versus Barcelona. Go on, give us a few words on this one. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it was the, the eye-brow-raising fixture when the, the draw was made. Um, I mean, people have missed... Uh, those two players going head to head and you know maybe Ronaldo is starting to show signs of heading into his twilight although he's still it's one of the brightest twilights uh, in football <laughs> history um, the longer he goes he's getting better exactly and I mean I, I think this this will bring the, the best out of him being able to to lock horns with his old rival once again so um, I, I think we'll expect goals in this one for sure um, and it'll, it'll definitely be one to, to watch and both sides are coming in obviously on the back of wins um, so this is this is the tussle for top of the group so no no punches will be pulled and I'm sure it'll be uh, champagne football You'd like to think so and given the fact that as you say they've, they've both come off victories Barcelona 5-1 home victory against Ferrek Varas which you would have expected anyway and Juventus went out east to Dynamo Kiev and got a 2-0 away win which it's never easy going out to, to Ukraine or Russia, especially as the year draws to a close. It gets colder and colder, and these teams that are used to luxury warmer climates like those of Italy and in Juventus, then it's never an easy place to go. But I think whoever puts the horns in, in deepest and gets the win here, you would probably say runs away with the group. But if it doesn't, them two play each other on match day six in the new camp, which I think it. Other groups are tied up. If that one goes to the form book and maybe if it's a draw this weekend, uh, th this upcoming week, and Daniel Kiev and Ferenc Varos just don't get anything else of the other games, that's one hell of a match day six for the battle of who finishes top of that group. I know we're getting very ahead of ourselves there, but oof, wouldn't want to be, wouldn't be uh, sat on the sidelines there. You want to be involved in that game. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, hopefully it goes down to the to the, to the last game to decide the group because we want to kind of have get two classics out of these two clashing. I mean, um, one thing that might maybe play in Juve's favor for next week, obviously, is that Barcelona play Real Madrid tomorrow. So, I mean, a classical is always going to take <laughs> it out of you. 
I mean, these, these fixtures are just they're coming thick and fast, but it seems like every week there's there's a quality game either around Europe or in this case is in the Champions League. And people are moaning, oh, it's too much football and stuff. But it's no shortage of big games. It's it, it's a it's a good time to be a football fan. Um, what are the game I'm going to pick out for you next week? And I don't really like speaking about these lads, but United versus RB Leipzig. Now, United, with all due respect, went away and got a win at PSG. And RB Leipzig uh, got a 2-0 um, home win against Istanbul with Shikshir. So, already this one becomes a key fixture in, in that group. That They're both on three points. You'd imagine PSG, being a wounded animal, will go to Istanbul and, and try and make a point. Um, I'll just see that one going, given, again, this weekend's fixture is Manchester United versus Chelsea, which another mouthwater and tie this weekend. And RB Leipzig have got themselves a, a home fixture against Hertha Berlin, which, given last season's form, you'd probably expect Leipzig to do that one pretty easily. Um, so just a few words on, on that tie. Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly a difficult one. When this, this group was drawn, people thought Man United were going to struggle. I mean, they were being looked as the, the third uh, team out of the, the group really behind Orbi and, and PSG. And then people were saying Istanbul would, would be no easy game either. But obviously to get the win against PSG was massive. Um, I mean, obviously they beat PSG last time out as well, uh, which... Um, is I suppose important to note, but they were obviously two very different games. I think PSG seemed to be suffering from somewhat of a Champions League runners-up hangover, hangover. A bit yeah. like Tottenham last season. It, it can be quite a blow mental mentally, and we've seen they've lost. They lost what they're opening two games in the league, so um, they're they're taking a while to recover from that, and that's probably played its part. But not to take anything away from United, it's still an impressive win. But that doesn't mean that they can go in expecting a win against Leipzig because it's a very different team that play a very different way. Um, so that's going to be a very tricky one, and I'm sure Leipzig could be saying, "Look, if we can go away to United and get a, a even a draw, at least you know possibly even a win, that's going to put us in a great position to qualify." Um, so they they won't they won't go easy on United. It's very tough to call. Like it could could go either way that game. But it, it's I mean it wasn't doesn't seem that long ago people were saying that Ole was under pressure and then obviously they came back to win against Newcastle and now BPSG and once again their fans are singing his praises. It's you know it's swings and roundabouts at that club at the moment. Oh, football can be fickle at times, but I think if we're sitting here with our Liverpool hats on then. The longer Ole stays at the wheel, um, as the United fans have put it, or Rio Ferdinand did, it's probably better all round for us because, as good as they can be in some games, they can also be tragic. And that squad isn't getting any better; it's getting more and more financially drained as it goes on by each window. And I think we've seen this summer that they can't attract the players that they think they can attract anymore. Um, so yeah, that'll be an intriguing game. I think obviously most people's eyes will be on the Juve Barcelona game on Wednesday night, but RB Leipzig, uh, uh, Man United is is a tricky one. And then across Europe, there's there's a few other games. The likes of Lazio go to Bruges and Dortmund face Zenith, which is already a, a tasty little group as it is. And I think that there's a couple of games there where you probably say just just watch it for goals. Um, but wrapping up. Um, 
we'll get to at the end of our game. Um, predictions for well, we we had little go with the lineup. How do you, how do you think we'll get on next week against Michelin? Given we we would expect a um, a bit of a change lineup, but the, the, their form coming in isn't the best. Yeah, I mean, given that we're we're expecting potentially like a you know either two or three at the the front line to to rotate and rotations other other places, you know, we we see when that happens in the league cup and other cup games over time under Klopp. It can you know when you have players that aren't playing together regularly, it can take a little while to get into their stride. They might not kind of hit the heights. So for that reason, I'm not so sure that will will blow. Mitchell and away, you know, in, in the manner maybe that Atlanta did, the, the, you know, kind of hitting four or five. But I still think if if our players that we put out kind of give their all and, and put in the effort, that it'll be comfortable enough. So I'd, I'd expect, you know, maybe two, three nil uh, would be my expectation on the day. I think for me personally, another nil in the column is, is big and um, probably underestimated by many, but. I I value a clean sheet as much as you value goals, and if you don't get a clean sheet, then you don't win games, as Michael Owen once says. Um, but given the fact that we are probably making a few changes, I, I could see us actually going for this one and maybe maybe putting four or five past them because these lads are going to come in with a point to prove, and I think we all know you don't get places in this Liverpool team handed out to you. And if you are Jota, Minamino, Shakiri, Jones, Cater, who were maybe on the on the fringes of the first team eleven and you're in and out the squad then this is a game at home at Anfield Champions League night that you can you can maybe put a marker down and put your case forward for maybe a start against West Ham or even the following week against Atalanta. So I I, I see what you're saying but I'm I'm a bit more confident in in these lads maybe putting the chest out and saying, Well this is where I am and I deserve to be in that eleven and you know, consider me Jürgen. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't doubt their their hunger. I mean, we talked a bit about that earlier, how hungry Jot uh, and um, Minamino particularly looked in midweek. Um, but I just, you know, it it I suppose it's kind of a, a scales what outweighs what the the kind of lack of understanding or the the hunger. You know, what's what's going to show? Um, hopefully, I'm hoping you're right though, and that. Uh, they're all very hungry and that's um that kind of just clicks and they they put them to the sword because it'd be great for um the the confidence of those players and it'd be great to give Klopp that selection headache going into the West Ham game and the games beyond. Yeah, so as it stands, I'm going for four nil, you're going for a more conservative two, possibly three nil, depending on, on the lineup. Um so you've touched a few times you've been on a pod as well today with Guy Drinkle, the the pod whore that he is getting across every podcast on the channel. Um, that was an AI uh, plus preview. Um, is that correct that you've done today? Yeah, so we, we covered uh, Klopp's press conference. So obviously, if you depend on when you listen to this, if you listen to it before the the Sheffield United game, I'd, I'd say give it a, a listen for sure. Yeah, I mean, we... We'll probably have this podcast out Saturday morning, I would imagine, because it's Friday evening as we record us. We'll try and get it out for Saturday morning, given the time scale and give the, the fan base some, some days to listen to this. And we don't play till 8 o'clock Saturday night. And all that remains for me to say, really, is on that Saturday night fixture, 
please don't pay 15 quid to watch Liverpool against Sheffield United, given the climate we're in. Donate it to a local food bank. Donate it to a local charity or help out somebody who needs it because Sky, BT, they don't need your money. They've got enough of that. Um, Carl, where can the listeners find you and what, what have you got coming up in the future? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at KMAC of the cop and that's where you'll find kind of my musings on football and um any kind of podcast that i'm on as for what's going on there's a face-off up for the derby um at the moment it was a bit of a family affair because you know my family have their their roots in merseyside and as a result you're divided down red and blue so i decided to get on my cousin who's an everton fan and my brother who's a liverpool fan to go through that one so there's a bit of family banter there unfortunately the the everton fan was a little bit too happy for my liking but what can you do hopefully we get the the revenge at anfield yeah, I can speak from experience of going to work on Monday morning. It wasn't pleasant because Everton had won 2-2 somehow. Um, but yeah, you know, when when you live and work with Blues, you, you have to take the book with this move. And if this is their, their big result and this is their time of being top of the league after, what, four or five games, then let them have the little moments in the limelight. And, you know, trophies aren't on the house in October, they're on the house in May or June or July. It's a peak for us in the last year or two. Um, but yeah, you know, let them have the time. So yeah, that 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 concludes the Champions League pod. As as Carl touched on earlier on, the games are coming thick and fast. We've got Atalanta the week after, so we will be back again next week. Um, hopefully, have a new guest. I'm trying to get through the Champions League group stages at least with a, a different guest every week, a different voice, different opinion. Um, so all that remains for me to say is look after yourselves, help out those who need it, and up the mighty Reds. Mella. Lovely cushion header. But Podcast Network.